The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn. I'm really glad to uh, be here today. This is our first show on Thursday at 10 o'clock Pacific Time. We used to be in Tuesdays at 4 p.m., and I am uh, really excited about doing it this way. Instead of waiting the whole day to talk to you, I get to talk to you early in the morning, and um, I'm really excited with this new time. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. Welcome to the Visual Workplace where we meet every week and we talk about letting the workplace speak. We talk about embedding our operational intelligence into the living landscape of work, into the physical work environment through visual devices so that the information that we need is at our fingertips when and as we need it. We need it. Someone else needs it. Anybody who needs it can pull that information to them. What we see in a visual workplace is a dynamic application of the need to know and the need to share. What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? And then when we get that in place and we get control over our corner of the world, we then apply the second question, what do I need to share? What do I know that other people need to know that I need to share so that they can do their work? Now, if you're a supervisor, you're likely to begin with need to share. If you're a manager, you're likely to begin with need to share. If you're a value-add associate, an operator, you're going to begin with what do I need to know? Because you really do need to get control over your corner of the world before you can pay attention to other people's needs, needs for information, needs for anything. So the visual workplace has tremendous return on investment, and that's culturally speaking in terms of cultural alignment, sustainability, repeatability, morale, safety, but also in terms of business benefit, which has to do with a 15 to 30% increase in throughput. We see it again and again and again. Right now, we're in the middle of a series We're in our sixth show on becoming a brilliant visual workplace trainer. Because, you know, I've spent the last two years, we're now in our third year of the show, I've spent the last two years talking about the components of visual thinking. And then I'm working with an 11-plant rollout in the textile industry, and I noticed that the material was really strong and really usable. We got it translated into Spanish. We're going to translate it into Chinese. All of that 
but the trainers need to do their job. And so we've been spending a lot of time talking to the trainers and saying, you know, what is different about training visuality? It isn't just walking through material. Some other experience has to happen in the classroom in order for the applications on the floor in the operations to take place. So that's what we're going to continue to talk about today. We're in our sixth of those shows, and there's a couple of other uh, pieces that I want to talk to you about next week. I think I'm going to be talking about doing your homework, which is a very particular um, homework assignment for all trainers, and also about how do you deal with it when you have... um, a multi-shift operation. How do you train in a multi-shift operation? I want to give very particular, a very particular methodology for that because it will sometimes defeat us, especially since in the visual workplace, we are working with the physical workplace and it would appear to be counterintuitive that people could change the physical workplace across four shifts without running into a lot of difficulty, a lot of contention, a lot of confusion, a lot of, um, um, well, even hostility, because you're changing somebody's workplace. But there's a very specific way of handling that, and it won't be hard. In fact, it, you'll find it, I think, very, uh, very positive in terms of generating more creativity and not really dousing it. And by the way, the visual workplace is an eye-driven process. If you've been listening at all, you will know that the visual workplace does not begin with teams. It may end with teams, but it begins with the singular eye. So let's get on to just a couple of announcements, and then I want to begin the purpose of today, which is called uh, the Senses, Brain Function, and the Cows in Colorado. And I have actually something to say about all of that. That was my big hook, the cows in Colorado. (laughs) So let me make my announcement. We're doing a visual workplace event in Portland, Oregon. We're doing a triple event on December 9th, 10th, and 11th. Uh, It will be at the airport hotel, but we will be visiting one of the plants uh, to do a visual assessment on the third day. The first day is my flagship visual workplace visual thinking seminar. It's a full-day seminar with that introduces you to the model, introduces you to the principles in action, introduces you to the 10 doorways, which, as you know, my my book, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking, same name, focuses on the 10 doorways and what each category of organizational function contributes to the visuality of the enterprise. The second day will be on visual leadership, which is um, the subject of my new book, which should be coming out next summer. All I have to do is sit down and write it, but we've been very, very busy, and I need a lot of quiet to write a book. It should take me about five or six weeks to write, and we can get it to you about two months later. So visual leadership is on the second day. The third day is a visual sight assessment, and I want to uh, uh, warn you. I want you to understand that we are going to be assessing a plant that is not yet visual. It's a printing plant. It looks like every other plant that isn't even that hasn't become visual yet. The potential is there. It's lying on the floor. It's lying on the walls. It's on the machines. It's in the people, but it hasn't been developed yet. And I want to t- take the group that comes through. How do you begin to tackle this? What do you look for? Where do you look for the anchor points for you to begin the methodology, and how do you prepare for that? 
So it's a real hands-on event. We will be touring the site, but the site is not yet famous for its lean or its visual. It's in a learning stage, and it is really in a launching stage. And I, for me, this is the most interesting kind of uh, moment that, for a plant. It's that plant just before things begin to change. How do you, as an outsider, see that plant, and how do you help people along their way? How do you help that company move forward? So it should be very, very interesting. I hope you can join us. There's a limited number of seats for the visual assessment. I think there's only 15 because the plants' meeting rooms are real small. But it should be very interesting. We're hoping to do about four of these a year in um, in Portland, Oregon, so that we can build a, a, both the following of you all coming here, but also I want to see more visual workplaces on a higher level in the Portland area, my hometown where I've lived for 15 years. So there seems to be interest. We'll see what happens. I want to thank uh, Bruce McKender, by the way, from SME for helping us with that event. That's very kind of you to help, and um, and we want lots and lots of your members to come and join us. Um, let me see. There was one other thing. Oh, yes, I'm going to be in China in March, and um, and there's some other things coming up, which I'll tell you about. So if you want to email me for any reason, it's radio at visualworkplace.com. That's one word, visualworkplace, radio at visualworkplace.com, and you can visit us on our at our site at www.visualworkplace.com or you can call in with your um, with your questions right to Voice America 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 let's begin for today so we've been talking about how to become a brilliant visual workplace trainer. And one of the things that I hope is very clear to you is that visuality does not happen by accident, even though we are by nature, by brain chemistry, visual beings. Therefore, we live in a visual world. We understand our world through our senses. We are not by birth natural visual thinkers. There are a few geniuses among us, like Bob Camoa at United Electric, Rick L. at uh, Denison Hydraulics, Margie Herrera at Lockheed Martin, who are natural visual thinkers. All they need is a name for what they do naturally, and that name is visual thinking. They understand motion, they understand information deficits, and they generate visual devices like machines. But most of us are not like that. Most of us have to learn how to think in this particular way. And it is the job of the trainer to teach thinking. To teach thinking. Okay? That's what we're doing. That effective applications come from effective thinking. And I think, in my opinion, the visual trainer, the visual workplace trainer, is the unnoticed but most important, frequently unnoticed, but most important uh, part of this event. You've got your great training materials. You can get them from us. I know of no better in the world. But once you get those materials, they have to be taught. You can't just walk through the training modules, blah, 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 at top speed or even at slow speed. You can't walk through the materials and expect people to learn. 
You have to teach the thinking. And today we're going to talk about using the brain to help that thinking happen. Last week I spoke about how we provide a feast for the brain, a feast for the brain so that the eye is engaged, the eye is looking at visual devices in the community or in the workplace, and you as a trainer are stimulating the thinking of that person who is looking by saying, tell me what you see. You don't tell them what you see. You don't show off your knowledge, trainer. You say to people, tell me what you see. How do you think this device works? What motion does it address, moving without working? What struggle does it remove? What question does it answer? A question when when not answered will create struggle at work, will create mistakes, will trigger mayhem. So you provide this feast for the mind, and you, what you're doing is you're engaging the sight, the sense of sight, which is our dominant sense in today's society. We are sight dominant. You're making that connection, and you are not filling in the spaces. You're letting people look. You're bearing with the silence. You wait as they think. You invite them, and we went over this several for several shows, to talk amongst themselves, to find one other person next to them to talk to, looking at this unknown dynamic on the screen. There's a visual device. How does it work? And if you want to go further, you can say, tell me what that, that segment of the work area looked like before the visual device and describe the behavior that happened when the visual device wasn't there. Describe that. This is the time that you spend in grooming the mind and getting the mind ready to then recognize the opportunities for visuality out in their own people's own work area. We're going to use motion as a lever, and I'm going to talk about that right after the break. And we're also going to talk about cows right after the break, because here's an example that is so bent my mind in five different directions and I realized how natural it is for us to have an environment that is um, that is full of that is visually functional. How important it is! So we're going to see you right after the break. I'll be here. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, welcome back. This is the second half of our show today at the Visual Workplace, and we are still deeply involved in talking about how to become a brilliant visual workplace trainer, how to really help people learn, learn to think, how to provide a feast for the mind by, by providing a feast for the eye in terms of visual devices. We call them around here at, at Visual Thinking, Inc., we call them teaching slides. We use PowerPoint a lot, but this is not death by PowerPoint, not at all. And one of the devices we used, which was called into, questions just, uh, into question just uh, a week ago when some trainers that were training said, hey, about your PowerPoints, and what they were referring to was that we use a lot of animation in our PowerPoint. It isn't floaty, weird stuff, but we do a lot of reveal. We will show people the before, maybe from several angles. We will let them get the before, click, 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 changing the animation, right? Clicking it, animating it. And then we will show them the after. But we don't show them the before and the after together. And one of the reasons we don't do that, please be aware of this when you do your own teaching, is because the brain will not be able to calibrate the difference. The brain has to first see the before and absorb the behavior that went with the before. This is for learning. If you want people to learn, you give the mind time to absorb. You give the senses a period to experience, to experience what's going on. People will travel into the screen, into the picture. They'll identify with it. They'll be there. And then you show them the after. You reveal the after. That's why the animation is important. It isn't so that we are slick. Animations are a pain in the neck. And by the way, we always put a little pink star on the lower left, right above the number, to signal us, whether we're a new trainer or an old trainer, that the animation is complete on the screen so that we know the next click will get us to the next screen. And that way the trainer, especially the new trainer, is confident that they're not going to get ahead of themselves. Okay? And they, and we present the content of the, tr- of the screen and the brain clicks with us. We show one thing, we reveal another We reveal a third thing, and maybe there'll be a fourth thing. We're creating a build. 
We're creating a line of logic. And it's very, very important. So let's talk about the cows. So I'm uh, doing a training on Thursday, Friday, and I have to come back on Monday, take the weekend off. I'm in Colorado, and I'm going for a walk. I love to walk in the countryside. I love to hike. Some of you already know that. And I'm walking along, and of course, when I'm in the city, I'm always looking for visual devices. I take my camera with me everywhere. I collect visual devices. We have something like 72 or 78,000 of them in our archives. We'll eventually turn them all into books, but these are primary visual devices. But I'm walking along a back road in rural Colorado, and I'm not expecting to see anything, except I do see something. I see on the road black and white lines covering, covering the entire width of the road. Black and white lines painted on the road. And I'm wondering, what is this? There's no other visual device al- around. There's a farm on the left, a farm on the right. There's some cattle on the left. So I'm walking around. I'm looking for somebody to ask. There's nobody around. And as I look, I pass over this cattle grid with the uh, pipes on it so that the cattle, when they're, um, if they're thinking about leaving the, um, the yard, they will, unfortunately, get their feet slipped into uh, the uh, space in between the pipes. It's dangerous. And that keeps the cattle back, keeps them in. You don't even need a fence. That is the fence. It's dangerous, dangerous for their little ankles, right? I can't find anyone, but I'm looking at this cattle grid, this piping grid, a trench in the, in the, uh, in the path, and I'm looking at the black and white stripes on the road, and I'm saying inside my said, inside of my head, I'm saying, nah, no, nah, it can't be. It can't be. It can't be. I'm thinking, are they actually thinking that the cow will think that the yellow and black stripes are the same as this cattle grid that's made out of pipes and a big hole in the ground that they'll slip into? Anyway, A truck comes by, flag him down. Luckily, he stops. I didn't look like a criminal. He he was a friendly person. I said, hey, can you tell me about this paint on the road? What's this about? And he said, oh, yeah, we use that to make sure that our cattle don't wander down the road. What? It was exactly what I most couldn't accept. That, in fact, the black and the yellow, did I say black and white? I meant to say black and yellow. The black and the yellow stripes They were about four inches, maybe five inch stripes equal. Yellow, black, yellow, black, yellow were the same as the grid. And I said, I said to the guy, how can that work? It's two dimensional. There's no danger there. He said, yeah, it's really strange. Even the calves will stop in their tracks. They will not cross this line. So we keep them herded. And there's one further on down the road. You can't see it. You need to move down a few hundred yards so that they all stay. If they should wander out or if we should be herding them, they all stay together unless we drive them across the line. And he said what happens is that the cows have depth perception. And if they can't see, they won't move. They'll look down. And if they can't see the ground, they stop. And they can't see the ground 
where the black stripe is. They can't make out what's there. They can't see the ground. All they see is a kind of void, the blackness. And it works. And the guy said, boy, it's the darndest thing. It works. That was so amazing to me. It was so amazing that even cows respond to our design of visual devices, that we can control the behavior of animals, of cows, they're big hefty beings, through visual devices. How elegant, how weird, so interesting. I was blown away. It was a feast for the mind. And the cows were engaged in the two prime principles that I spoke to you about last week, to tell and to tell the difference merely by looking. Well, they couldn't tell the difference, and so they stopped. Okay? Isn't that interesting? The function of the brain helping us create visual devices. And I'll tell you something else. I, I gave this example. I told you about this once over the last two years, so you may remember this. I gave this example in Australia about five, six years ago. And I came back. I go to Australia kind of regularly. And a lady came up. She was a nurse. She said, you know what you said before about the cows? Well, I got this funny idea because I work in a nursing home and I have Alzheimer's patients. And I thought, well, maybe the same brain function would work for my Alzheimer's patients because it's the hardest thing. We want to keep their doors open at night so that we can keep an eye on them, but we don't want them to leave their rooms. So we have to keep the door shut, and that means we have to open the door and look in. So I experimented, Gwendolyn, with this. I put a black line at the threshold of the door to see if the patient would cross it, and she did. And then I got this funny idea about what would happen if I made it a little wider. And I did. I widened this black border by two inches. Just as an experiment, I wanted to find out if the behavior changed. Because you told me that if we share vital information visually, the behavior will change. Depending on what that information is and, and how effectively it's shared. And you know what? I widened that black border and she didn't cross the threshold and now we use it throughout the nursing home. Now, we don't, and I don't either, we don't know why that works because the Alzheimer's brain is not really available for us. But it is brain function. And someone, maybe someone who's listening, has identified the research and can call in or write it in and share with us. But that is brain function. That is the senses being engaged. And as a result, the behavior changes. I want you to know about these things, not just because they're interesting, but because you must teach this way. You, are, you have to teach in a classroom to begin with, with visuality. And you know that, that old adage that William Glazer, prolific educator, born in 1925, he's passed on by now, what he told us, we learn 10%, we retain 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss, 80% of what we experience. 
And there's one jump above that, which is 95% of what we teach others. But that 80% of what we experience means we must create in the classroom an experience. One of the reasons why Kaizen Blitzes work so well is that people are out there doing. But one of the ways that Kaizen Blitzes don't work well is because there's not enough teaching. There's not, not enough what we say in instructional design, cognitive content. There's not enough knowledge shared. People depend Trainers and facilitators depend on people's imagination to use really a small, a thimble full of knowledge. In visuality, we teach principles. We want to keep the mind alive with new knowledge. We, want to, we, we challenge people to find new applications. We want them to have the experience of seeing, hearing, and learning in the classroom, and that's why we're so active in using the pictures that we use. We use PowerPoint in PowerPoint in a way that forces the mind to think and not just to see. We say, what do you see? Okay, now, whatever you see, take it away in your mind and tell me, what did the environment look like before and what was the, what was the behavior of this operator? What was the behavior of this manager? What was the behavior of this engineer without that visual device. This is teaching. You have to require that the mind engages. You have to require that the senses are alive. This is the way that we teach. You cannot rely on the imagination because the imagination will be your friend only until it runs out of stimulation. And then it'll just sit there like a bump on the log wondering, well, I need something to imagine. Challenge my senses, challenge my mind. Okay? So as to become a brilliant visual think a, a teacher, trainer, you have to bring your participants into the experience of seeing and of thinking. You have to, and this has to happen in the classroom. Now, after we're going into our, our second break right now. After the break, I'm going to talk to you about using motion as a lever. And I'm also going to talk to you about the very important tool we call the memo pad. So important as a way for you to go stronger. You can't run an application exercise like a, a blitz unless people have ideas that are formulated in their mind before they go out on the floor. You'll use the floor, Gemba. You will use that to notice your information deficits. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's take a break. I'll be back in a minute and we'll carry on from here. I'm hoping you find this useful. It is so important. See you in a minute. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, 
site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. We're in our third segment of today's show at the Visual Workplace, and we are continuing our discussion about becoming a brilliant, a dazzling visual workplace trainer. Dazzling. Dazzling because you take responsibility for the learning of others and you know that what you are teaching can only be learned and that is thinking, that you are teaching people to think. You're setting up, Einstein said this, it's such a great quote, I never teach my pupils, I only attempt to provide the conditions in which they can learn. I never teach my pupils. I only attempt to provide the conditions in which they can learn. Because, in fact, teaching and learning are two separate events. I may teach, but you may not learn. And you may learn things that I don't even teach simply because of the innate capacity of your mind. Your mind to extrapolate, to imagine what is and what is not there. Your mind to imagine based on a foundation that you provide, you go much further, but I have to provide that foundation. And one of the foundations I'm going to provide as a brilliant visual trainer is I'm going to make sure you understand motion as a lever. I'm going to use motion as a lever. Motion, as many of you know, is the two, one of the two metrics, one of the two metrics, actually three, I'll mention them in a moment. Three metrics that I use when I train and when I also assess an an application. Motion is the symptom that tells us that there's an information deficit. We're using the classic definition of motion from Toyota, one of the seven deadly wastes, moving without working. But when Taichi Ono 
put in motion onto the wheel of Seven Deadly Wastes, he was talking about moving without working, that the man or the person, the human, was moving while the machine was working. And what can we do to get the man to work while the machine works? But when I was looking around for a, a, a lever, a yardstick, by which we could go deeper into the workplace visuality, this was 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, I realized that with a little bit of a shift, motion was the perfect way to describe what happens when visuality is not there. When we work, we move and add value. When we're in motion, we move and we do not add value. We move without working. Moving without working. And the reason that we are moving and not working is because we are looking for the answer to some question. That question may be very apparent. What am I supposed to do next? Or it may be sub-vocalized, muttered under our breath. Where the heck is whatever? Where is my tool? Where is the material? Where is that patient? Where is x-ray, <laughs> for example, if you are that patient in the hospital? Motion, moving without working, a symptom that tells us that workplace visuality is needed. And we measure that motion Often, 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 especially when we're working with operators, but we also do this with supervisors, we give them a stopwatch. Uh, I'm sorry, we give the supervisors a pedometer and we give the operator a stopwatch or a pedometer and we say just measure the distance you travel from your value field operator or the time that you're away from your value field because we know when you're not at your value field, you are in motion. And there's going, and you are in motion because there's an information deficit. Information is missing. This is a very, very nice tool. The reason we don't give it to supervisors, we don't give a stopwatch to, to supervisors, is because their value field is everywhere. They are a support staff, the way managers are. But we give them a pedometer and we show them, let them track how much they walk during the course of the day in the, in the process of what they call work and how much of that work is really motion. How much of it is delivering answers to people who have questions, people who report to you? So motion is, a, is, is the lever for the visual workplace. And it is one of the strongest ways that you as an instructor, as an instructor can trigger visual thinking in others. And the result of using motion as a lever is not a dozen visual devices, not even hundreds, but thousands of visual devices. Because people are understanding the difference between motion and work, and they are understanding that the difference is the presence or absence of answers. Answers that are embedded into the living landscape of work, visual answers, visual devices, visual mini-systems, visual systems, macro-systems. They understand this. And they watch that behavior of motion in themselves. It is so important for you to combine the pictures of the visual devices that are so vibrant with principles and with application with people's understanding of their own individual motion. Here's another way that you can 
trigger awareness of motion as a lever. Use a memo pad. Give everybody a memo pad, and you say, look, in the front of the memo pad, write down how many times a day you ask a question. Just make a little tick mark. Tick, 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 slash five. Tick, 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 slash ten. And if you want, in the front of your memo pad, don't just tick down the number of times you ask a question, but tick down the questions as well. Because what do these represent? These represent your need to know. Trainers, do this. Do this so people understand where the visual devices are waiting for them to to discover. The greatest gaps, the greatest gap in people understanding visuality is they don't see how they can create visual devices themselves. This is especially true when you ask them to use their imagination to create visual devices. That's not where they come from. That runs out so fast. It's like a quart of milk. What happens when you drink the quart of milk? You need another quart of milk. You've got to go out and buy it. We're talking about the cow here. When you teach people to think you've got a cow that gives an endless amount of milk because it's internal, it's people's own thinking, they're watching their own motion, their own moving without working, as long as they understand that that motion is triggered by missing information, information deficits, sometimes vocalized, sometimes subvocalized, questions that are asked, questions that are muttered in the mind. And you want people, you want to raise this awareness as part of your teaching. Stop teaching the modules and start teaching people to think. Keep track of your motion. We're going to do it through questions class. Everybody's got a book on the front of the book. Write the number of questions you're asked. I'm sorry, the number of questions you ask. And if you will, write down what those questions are. There's a second part of that exercise which you can do if you want. I don't recommend it at the same time. But I prefer later on, after a couple of weeks of having people keep track of the questions that they themselves ask, I say, okay, flip your memo pad over and on the back, keep track of the questions that you are asked. Because the front is, what do I need to know? The back is, what do I need to share? Keep track of the questions that you are asked. And what you're doing, even though I know you're getting ahead of me, these are going to be the triggers for specific visual devices. What you want is people to get in the habit of thinking and of noticing and of seeing their motion, seeing the questions that are not answered for them. Because the visual devices will be generated from that and they will be generated in the hundreds and thousands. Your eyesight, you have to help people's eyesight get very, very sharp in this regard. This is your awareness as a trainer. This is what you do. The health of the implementation depends on you. You can get all the management support you want. You get a budget for pretty signs. But if you don't do that job, you will not get a payoff. A fully functioning or a partially functioning visual workplace, which to most of you will look fully functioning because it will be so dazzling. Motion is the lever. It is the way that the questions that are not answered are revealed. And you know what? It also turns each of us into a scientist of our own work. 
It becomes a deeply internal process. We go through the day doing our, wor- doing our work and we notice first the gross forms of motion because our trainer helped us see that. And then we begin to see the finer, more minute forms of motion. And don't worry, if you work in a clean room, you'll figure out a way to not be, if you can't use paper and pencils, you'll figure out a way. I want you to figure out a way to get this as part of your training. You do the same thing for supervisors and CEOs and engineers. With supervisors, we call it the first question is free. Same thing with CEOs. It's got to be the same. Using a memo pad, and I'll tell you about it because we're going into a break now. I'll tell you about it when we come out of that break. Another tool. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back. I want to use every single minute we have left. Um, But I also want to say, please send your emails to me at radio at visualworkplace.com. That's radio at visualworkplace.com. One word, visualworkplace.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're experiencing. Let me know your questions. Let's do this together. So just before the break, we were talking about the importance of using motion as a lever and the usefulness of giving people a little memo pad. You don't want a big old book. You want a little memo pad that we can stick in our pants pocket or stick in our shirt or stick in our sleeve or somewhere so that it's handy 
so we can keep track of the number of questions that we ask, that we ask others. And then after bump, bump, bump a little bit, we say let's keep track of the questions that we are asked. The first is the one we ask our need to know later on, the ones we are asked the need to share. And if you're a supervisor, you're going to get need to share first, so you start with need to share. Anyway, you work this on both sides of your memo pad. With supervisors, we often give them this specifically, and this is written in almost all my books. It's certainly in the last two, Work That Makes Sense and uh, Visual Workplace Visual Thinking. The first question is free. I'm going to write a book on a supervisor of visuality that's part of the leadership books that I'm, I'm working on now. I want you to know this stuff because, you know what, when you get the questions answered, whether they come at you or they come from you, and you embed them into the living landscape of work, you have a workplace that speaks, and that workplace becomes your partner in excellence. But without it, you've just got a dumb floor, dumb walls, dumb benches, dumb dumb everything, and, sorry to say it, dumb you. You can't hold all that information in your head. You need to have a partnership with the physical work environment. So with supervisors, we give them a little memo pad and we say, here's the rule. First question is free. The first time you are asked a question, supervisor or CEO or manager or VP, we want you to answer it completely, politely, and right away. But when that person who has asked you walks away, inside your head we want a light bulb to go off and that light bulb has the number one on it. That's one. Then you wait. You wait like a cat by a mouse hole. You stay vigilant and you wait to hear that question again. From the same person or a different person, you wait. Vigilant. And the question comes again, maybe from the same person. First question was, hey boss, what am I supposed to be doing now? Second question from the same person is, okay boss, I did that, what do I do now? The second time you hear that question, as before, you answer it completely and politely and right away. But the light bulb goes off and it says, to now. The first question is free, but the second time you hear that question, you create a visual device so that you never have to answer that question again and that person and people like that person never have to ask it again. That's one of the ways that we get our supervisors to start getting involved directly, not in supervising visuality, but in implementing visuality for themselves on the supervisor level. We do exactly the same thing with CEOs and engineers, VPs, directors of sales and marketing. The first question is free. And at the second question, create a visual device. When you get more aggressive and fanatical, (laughs) you'll do it at the first question. Because you'll remember that you've heard that question 50 dozen times in the last two months. And you'll know what a waste of human energy. What a waste of my time and that other person's time. You want to operationalize respect, respect for the individual. This is a way to do it. Respect for the individual is one of the most overused and under-understood and not operationalized principle of the new excellence that I 
have ever come across. People don't know how to operationalize it. They think they have to be polite, politically correct. They have to say please, but that's not it. Take the struggle out of your work. Take the struggle out of other people's work. That's what visuality is for. Take the nonsense away so that I can be free to find my own size as a human being and make my contribution. That's why I come to work, to make my contribution. Help me be a hero at work. That's a demonstration of your respect for me. Help me be a hero at work. So we're talking about being a brilliant visual workplace trainer. That means you must train this way of thinking in the classroom. It is not okay to just say, let's have a blitz, a visual blitz, and let's create visual devices. If people don't know where they come from or how to find them, you have to think this. Don't even train another module. We have 14 modules in our training um, package for operators. Stop. Don't train any more modules. Get to module three and stop if people are not demonstrating, showing signs of thinking. Otherwise, you're just stuffing the Christmas turkey, and you know what happens to the Christmas turkey. Stuffed and gone. Your job is to create thinking. Help people, helping, your job is to help people think. Think a new way. Visual thinking. What is visual thinking? It is our ability to recognize the information deficits and the motion they cause. To recognize motion and the information deficits that cause that motion and then to eliminate both through solutions that are visual. That's visual thinking. To eliminate both the motion and the deficit through solutions that are visual. Because when we put a visual device in place, it removes the information deficits. The information deficit. It embeds the answer and therefore the motion disappears. That's what this is about. But I want to warn you, I want to warn you that what I just described is not methodology. Methodology is something else. Maybe we'll talk about that also in the next show. We've got a few too many things. I'll organize it in the next week and figure out what's the right sequence for your own learning. The first question is free and using motion as a lever. These are principles of visuality. They are not methodology, but you people must get the, the principles first. They must, they must learn to think first. I cannot emphasize that enough. In fact, that's all I've been doing is emphasizing it. If you want the business benefit, and if you want not hundreds but thousands of visual devices coming from all categories of organizational function, not just the operator or the maintenance people or the technicians on the floor in a hospital, or the office workers, but from everyone, you must treat visuality as a language and you must understand that that language, its job is to embed the answers to your questions into the living landscape of work, to embed the level of your intelligence. And one of the ways we measure our intelligence is to notice the questions that are still unanswered. You do that iteratively. That means you do it cycle after cycle. You'll go deeper and deeper. You'll have a workplace that speaks. And it will be a glory to you, to your company, to everyone. It is the basis of your prosperity. And it is the basis of your moral and cultural alignment. It certainly is the only key that I've ever discovered 
to sustainability, the real key, not just exhortory and um, pizza, but the real key where you're helping people change. You're helping them think a new way. Okay? Tell me and I forget, said Ben Franklin. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I learn. Thinking is involvement. I had a wonderful time with you today. I hope you like this new 10 o'clock time. I sure do. And I will see you next week. I'll figure out and I'll look for your emails to guide me. Honestly, you squeak, I listen. So whoever squeaks. But next week we're going to continue our discussion. I thought it would be over in three shows. I think we have another two or three to go. Stick with me. There's a lot of great stuff to come. Thank you very much for listening. And this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.